Hi, I'm Stephanie Riggs. Most people know me from anchoring the news, but my greatest assignment will definitely down as raising a little boy. Why? Because of all the things we'll ever do in our life, I think raising a soul that will go on for all of eternity is probably the most significant. It's a daunting task being a parent, and I spent a lot of time on my knees just asking God for help. And my guest today, you might just say, is an answer to one of my prayers. His name is Craig Nippenberg, and for 35 years, he's been throwing a rope of hope to parents and letting us know that we can do this, it's okay, and he gets how important this assignment it is. So I want to thank you so much, Craig, for taking the time to sit with us today. I have called you when I was at my lowest moments, and I want to thank you and pay it forward because a lot of people don't have access to therapy. What do you say to people who, like me, many times telling you are just, just beside themselves? They don't understand their kid. Yeah. It, it was, and the first step is reaching out. It, it takes a village to raise a child. And, and God wanted us to live in community. And, and parents need to be communal with each other and raise the kids together. So that first step is reaching out. So it might be a therapist. could be your minister. It could be your mom's group, right, or a dad's support group. Just having other parents to kind of get a perspective. Now, I like to approach things when parents reach out to me. We'd like to look at each individual child's brain configuration. So we've got two or three, four areas that make up the social brain or how your child interacts with others. And I like to look at each child from their own unique perspective and then give guidance to parents based on a unique child. So it, it's not one size fits all. So often we think of parenting as we just do the same thing for all the kids. And then parents are like, well, it worked for those two. It's not working for this one. Well, because this one's different than those two. Well, and I brought Craig a Tigger, who was just bouncing off the walls, and he, it's funny, if you see him today, you would never know no, that, that I raised a Tigger, because yeah. I had a lot of help from you, but you really did teach him about social cues, and mm -hmm. also, I think you gave me a list of things to do, and I, I really think this is all common sense, but sometimes common sense isn't always common practice. For example, sleep was like the biggest yep. key, yep. and how many of our kids are getting the right amount of sleep? Right now, not very many. Um, they, they weren't really before COVID. Now with COVID, they're up gaming, especially the high school kids are gaming late. They're online with their friends, social media. Sleep has definitely taken a big hit, and, and kids need it. Now, the common sense piece, I, I like to say, I've never really told any parents anything, any child. I haven't told any child something that their parents already haven't told them 10 times. It's pretty common sense. My job is to figure out a way to tell it to a child that they'll go, yes, that's a great idea. So give me an example. So I'm selling, I sell mental health. That's what I'm selling, right? So I might say to a child who's been told they talk too much, right? The hyperactive child always shooting their mouth off or whatever. And then I try to figure out, well, what are they interested in? What do they really like? What are their sports they like? What are their things? And then I'll figure out some way to, to work in the idea of listening and if you listen more, you'll perform better in your sports, perhaps, if they, they're into sports. Whatever, I, I like to figure out what are they really into and then build it into that so that they can go, oh, yeah, that does help me. That's a good idea. Because so much of the time when kids, that when they hear it, it's often a reprimand. Are you paying attention, Johnny? Right? So if we look at kids who struggle with uh, focus and attention, 
they get 10 times the negative feedback every day compared to other kids. They hear their name all the time. And it's, it's usually negative. Parents are saying the same thing at home. I try to do it in a positive way to say, hey, that's, that's a great idea. You should keep doing that. That was really great the way you did that. And teach them in a positive way that then they can integrate and put the use in their, in their world. See, I think what parents need and what Craig offered to me and my little boy now, a uh, young man, is hope. And you can navigate this Class 5 Water Rapids adventure. You're not in it alone. And I think people feel that this is just exclusive to me and, and my situation. But once you start talking to the community, the village, you realize, you know, especially when you talk to Craig or you talk to older parents or grandparents, you say, oh, this is... <laughs> it, it, this is... It, really, it's, this, it all works out in the wash. And, and especially for younger parents nowadays, there's this whole parent shaming thing going on, that we're critiquing other parents that they didn't do the right thing or they're going to stereotype their child or they're not, not enough stun screen. It, it's a lot of, it's very intense for the younger parents right now. And there's no research to support that. There is no such thing as micromanaging, engineering the perfect child. They don't exist. We have imperfect children. We have imperfect parents. And really, what I'd like to say the most is just relax. You only have to be this side of good enough. You don't have to be a super parent. You just have to be good enough. And then, then that's fine. There's no more. You, you can't do anything else. So just relax. It's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and I know you're listening to that, but when you're really in the deep, deep water and you think you're going to just capsize, when you hear things like that, you can take a deep breath because I figure he's heard it all, right, in 35 years. But you talked about how important sleep was, how important nutrition is. I mean, I, I wasn't really looking at the diet, but our kids are eating garbage. Yeah. It's a pretty carb-intense culture. A lot, and the fast food stuff. And kids really, I, I like kids to be having protein snacks at school. Anything with protein is, is really good for brain functioning. It takes a long time to digest and to burn, and it gives your child attention for three or four hours. They can use that. The carbs, your body chews up really fast. And so kids need that. They need less electronics. It's, it's too much. 20 minutes, 30 minutes of gaming, that's fine. That'll relax your brain. You go past 30 minutes, and it does all sorts of things. It spikes your dopamine levels. The kids can't get off the machines. They're just glued to them in this hyper-focused state. When you finally get them off, they, they're irritable and grouchy and just a train wreck. And that's not a good place to get homework done from. Well, and you also talked to me about a hydrated brain. I never yep. thought about that. But really, water became such an important part of calming my little tigger down. Yeah, it, it, you got to think of plump brain cells. Brain cells like to be plump. And if they're not, they shrivel up and your brain really starts to not function nearly as well. By the time you, your child even knows they're thirsty, they've lost probably 10% of their water. The other thing you were drumming into my head is how important the president is. I mean, yes. you're just talking about how you can lose, you lose half of your dopamine levels when you're going through puberty. And then when you start playing all these video games, you, you kind of you're spiking <laughs> it, it, it through the hold on the brain. you become a mouth breather yeah. it's a uh, you know you know the look but he, the the part about working the president with yeah. you told me get model rocket sets get legos you can even do some video games that work the, the yeah front they, they, the president. They, there are some of the, the games that are you know the ones that are cooperative with other players and, would and minecraft, minecraft be an is fine okay. it, it's the time length that if you get past about 30 minutes. So 
20 or 30 minutes, you're, you're in this uh, single-mindedness zone where your brain is doing one thing. And when the brain does one thing, it relaxes. And that's no different than if you were doing yoga. Prayer. If you're doing prayer work, when you're praying, you're doing one thing. It relaxes your brain, right? Sports can do that. There's all sorts of things we do to be single-minded. But after that, with gaming and social media, after that, the, the dopamine levels spike. They just keep going higher and higher. And then the child gets into hyper-focus, where they're like a zombie, where they're just glued to that thing. And then they lose their other, the, the frontal lobe function, what I call the president in my book. They lose their other functions. They have no idea of time perception. It's absolutely gone. They're totally focused on that. They have no thoughts about, oh, yeah, I've got homework tonight. I have to My eat mom, some food. I have to eat food. I have to use the bathroom. Can you believe that? There are kids that are soiling because they're so involved in grossing their game, they don't stop to put on a pause to go to the restroom. So they get so intense and hyper-focused that all the other functions you want the president for are gone. And then again, when you finally pull them away, which is usually battles, it, it's uh, around our country every night. It's battles around gaming, the parents in the gaming, or the kids on their phone, social media, the headphone in all the time, right? You try to talk to your teen and say something, and they, they don't, you're like, are you not listening? What are some things kids can do to work the president, really help that executive functioning? The president's going to grow with practice, good habits. So studying, and anything that increases your focus and gets you looking into details, whether that's doing your, your studies, different hobbies, creative music, the arts, interactive things that are engaging their brain and that they have to focus on and pay attention and get some work done and have some production. And then you have some rest time for your brain to kind of relax a little bit. Then you come back to things and accomplishing. It could, it could be doing things around the house, helping out cooking, learning to cook. That's a great thing for teens to be doing, is learning how to cook a meal. That and that works the president. Of course. Okay. You've got to look at recipes. You've got to figure out the measurements, how to convert this to that. It's step by step. So the president, we like to do things step by step by step. Not just bing, 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 but we're kind of going here, here, here. Any of those things are going to do it. And, and for boys, teen guys, high-intensity stuff. I mean, your son learned to fly. How intense is that? That is going to get his dopamine levels jacked up, and you've got to be focused, right? Driving a car. Go-kart. My, my, when my son was middle school, we'd, we'd do the go-karting. He was focused, right? So there's these things you can be doing. We go, we go to the shooting range. You're pretty focused. You have to be, and you know that. Right. And that's a great thing. And you follow the steps. You do the, the way you're supposed to do things and have a great time and come and back relaxed. And we, in Colorado, we have such beautiful areas to work out and to do yeah. exercise. How important is exercise Ex for the president? Yeah, exercise is really crucial, and it increases your dopamine levels uh, four times, and it lasts a while. Now, caffeine, so if you're sluggish in the morning, you could drink coffee. That will increase your dopamine levels about four times, but it wears off. So after an hour or so, the dopamine levels start to drop again. You could go for a run, get some exercise in, and your dopamine levels are going to go up four times, and they're going to last for hours. So it's going to increase your dopamine levels, get your president sharp, ready for the school day, ready for work as an adult, and it's going to last longer. So kids need exercise before school. It's a great thing. And if, if it's, you know, COVID or you're isolated, you get one of those little trampoline things that kids can jump on, but something in the morning, some exercise in the morning before school, they need lots of recess breaks, they need to run and play, and just get their bodies going. 
and then play does so much more for them for their social skills. Play, uh, free play is essential for social development. I do get worried now with the, the pandemic after this past year. We have a lot of kids now who isolated. are struggling with yeah. their social development. Mm -hmm. They're isolated. They're not reading the nonverbal of other people. I had a little boy the other day. He told me, I can read people's faces really well, but now I can only see their eyes, so I'm not always sure. And I'm like, oh, oh he's sweetheart. Sweet. How resilient are our kids? You they know, they are, really well, are the superheroes in all of this. Are, they didn't get a say in any are. of it. I had this little second grader the other day. He was talking. I was talking to him. He said, "We were playing hover tag." Now I've heard of every tag game ever made. I mean, I've played them all with my kid, my kids' groups for thirty-five years. We do groups here. We're always playing all the tag games, right? And I've never heard of it. I'm like, "What's hover tag?" And he said, "Well, that's since we can't touch each other, you put your hand over their head like this, and then they're it." And I'm like, oh my, that is precious. At the same time, I was like, kids find a way. Kids find a way to play. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. You can't touch each other. Like, it's brutal. But what do you think the thing. kids are learning from all of this? How to adapt? I, th I think they are learning how to adapt. Um, they, they find different ways to still adapt. But they are more isolated. There's higher levels of frustration. Um, the kids who aren't in school want to go back to school. Our, our little granddaughter, we have a five-year-old granddaughter, she finally got to go to kindergarten. And it was in, in the nick of time. Because she was really becoming an angry child at home all the time. She really wanted to be at school. And she's back at school, sees her friends, loves her teachers. It was essential. And we, we want kids to be back in school as quick as we can. It, it's been tough. It's tough on teachers, tough on the children. But kids are resilient. And, and that's why, as a parent, not everything you do or say is going to have a huge impact on your kid. You can relax. It's going to be fine. Kids find a way. They're, they bounce back. As long as you're good enough. If you're not being a good enough parent, then you, you can really hurt a child's development. But if you're just this side of good enough. What's good enough? What's good there. enough, Craig? You start with a loving attachment. Love and attachment with your child. And you throw in food, water, housing, education, health care the basic things a child needs to survive. And you let them grow. I love the shepherd idea. You shepherd kids to different pastures. You, you protect them from the big predators, right? You lead them to a green field. You introduce them to these things. You make sure you keep the big predators away. But then it's up to the child to decide if they're going to take advantage of that. You, you can't make them become a superstar at something. That you have to let them graze where they want to graze. And that's what you are. You're a shepherd. You, you can't engineer kids. You know, this is the kind of conversation that I would have when I raised my son, and I would leave feeling like, I could do this. You know, maybe only until I see him in another couple of weeks. And I always badgered him, why don't you put all of this knowledge in a book for people who can't find you? And he did. He wrote this book called Wired and Connected. It really is, I think, a must-read for parents who want to understand their kiddos because you say God designed them all differently. And there's a purpose for that. that we need differences. We need all children to be unique. We need all kinds of brains. The 12 tribes of Israel had different specialties. That, that together you created a whole. God gave us different brains for a reason. So that we have some brains that do the analytical stuff, some that do the spiritual stuff. You know, the, we, we know some children are more spiritual than others. They're adults who are more, a little more in tune in that way. We need, we need everybody together. And so you're understanding your child's brain so that you can guide them and direct them in the way they need. What's the biggest thing you deal with 
after 35 years, what would you say is the, the big one when parents come in? I, right now, historically, we've right. specialized in kids with uh, ADHD, uh, mood regulation issues. I, I call them like the, the Winnie the Pooh characters. You got, you got your Tiggers. You also have your Eeyores, kids that are upset, you know, sad. We got to piglets who are anxious. I see a lot of piglets, you know, and, and the, the pressure on kids for school causes a lot of anxiety for kids. Have to, so we used to see kind of these subgroups, right? You know, by kind of diagnosis, kids with autism spectrum. But with social media and academic stress, we're seeing all sorts of teens. We're, we're seeing teens that probably wouldn't have gone to therapy, but there's so much stress. There's lots of homework. And then you've got the social media thing 24-7. And you've got kids who are just waiting to find out if people liked this that they posted or if they're going to get called out, if they're going to get canceled. And then everybody's going to turn on them. They're living that pressure 24-7. We didn't have that. Mm -mm. When we went home after school, if I had a tough time with Tom at school, once I got home, I didn't have to deal with Tom till the next morning. I had... 12 hours, 14 hours at home to go play, have fun with my brothers, my sisters, have family dinner, watch Leave it to Beaver. And if you didn't Mod get squad. invited to prom, you didn't right. have to go on social media right. and find out and find everybody out. else and did and look at how pretty their dresses right. are. And how about the, the kids that can't afford to go to prom? Right. Everybody right. just feels so left out. So right. since you didn't grow yeah. up in that, what yeah. do you advise people? I, I do several lectures on how uh, gaming and social media impacts the brain. I call it hijack. And it, it's really based on the dopamine system in the brain and the president and the pleasure system and how that hijacks it, as well as with social media, you really get the stress hormone cortisol involved. And when I, I do role plays, pre-COVID we did role plays. We, I've now created animated films for, the, for kids. And I do it with students and families where kids come, teenagers come. And when I explain it to them or they get on stage and act it out, I can't tell you how many kids or teens have said, thank you, I didn't didn't know that was doing that to my brain. I'm like, or they'll be like, yeah, that makes sense, because there's sometimes I think I've only played 20 minutes and it's been three hours. I'm like, yeah. I just <laughs> and so if they understand it, and then it's good guidelines. So I have a whole host of lists of, you know, here's nighttime. Nighttime is, and screens are not a good mix. Here's what you should do. Limiting the gaming time. Here's an appropriate amount. Taking the phone sometimes, right? We, we shouldn't have the phone in the bedroom all night long. That does not belong that should be in the parents' room to get charged. Being a good role model yourself. The one thing, and I don't like parent shaming, but I did get when I, I used to walk, we live on a canal, the Highline Canal. And when my son was little, I'd put him in the stroller and we'd go for walks. And I would talk to him. I couldn't see him. He was down in the stroller, right? And a little wrapped up or whatever. And I, I'd talk about the birds or an owl or the trees. And we would talk the whole time. Now I see the parents out there and they've got the earbuds in, or they're on their phone. And they're not talking to the baby. So how old is that baby? He's 27 now. And what's he doing? He's in medical school, third year. And we still, I, I love doing adventures with him, always did. We were doing adventures when he was in preschool, and I just got back ice fishing with him and just had a blast, just being together in a little hut and just chilling out together. So you're not close. telling people anything you didn't do yourself? No, you can see no. the fruit of what happens when you right. shut it off and yeah. you engage. And you, and you engage, yeah. right? And you don't have to do it 24-7. And I would never tell a parent, do something with your kid that you, can't, that you find repulsive and it, it just drives you nuts. You don't have to. Find something mutual. 
right? But some, just find some ways to connect. Love playing Barbies with their little daughters, right? With their granddaughters or little daughters. Other moms might feel like, I'm not in a Barbies. This is my chance to get stuff done. Barbies. Like, why don't you play Barbies? I'll get some work done. So then you find something you both like that you could connect with. Craig, why did you write this book? Wow, that is a deep question. Every day, I go to work. I've always said the same prayer. And, and I've been through some tough situations. Columbine High School was brutal. My office was in a Lutheran church there, just down the street. One of the ch child, uh, Dylan, was a member there. Absolutely brutal. Uh, other tragic situations. Lots of grief stuff. Suicides. But my prayer every day has always been, I'm going to tear up. And I don't really share this very often. May I bring Jesus into the world by what I do. And I've been blessed to have been able to do that for over 35 years now. Here in my office, at a school, I, I consult for an Episcopal school, teaching classrooms to children, uh, with groups of kids at the office. Uh, but I wanted to reach more kids and more parents. And I, I really believe in the uniqueness, the unique gifts God gave all of us, and how parents understand their child's unique gifts and, and how to nurture those and shepherd them. So it really was about a bigger audience. And ultimately, I, I stamp every book with make, make Your Empathy a Verb, that it's about helping children learn to be empathic and to do something in this world, to, to use their empathy for good. If people want to hear more of your insights in, in teaching right. and parenting, where can they find you? Well, a lot, several different places. You can go to welistentokids.com. Um, we, or craignippenberg.com is our, is our website. It has all our services, many of my videos, YouTubes, etc. Uh, wiredandconnected.com for the book or on Amazon. And I also have a new podcast coming out. And this is really since the pandemic. I, I developed 10 strategies for resilient families and did some writing, some lectures on that. And now I have a podcast called Legit Parenting. And it's strategies for actual imperfect parents to raise resilient children and kids. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And many of the topics we discussed today. So I, I talked last show, it was an hour on just gaming. And then I did another odd hour on social media and how to back kids and good standards to have with your kids. But it's really just about being a real parent. I think it's the hardest job, but also it's, it it's the, the most, most important job it because, important. as I said, it's the only right. job we're going to have that actually has eternal consequences. These yeah. are souls right. that we've been entrusted. and. Like you said, we don't always get it right. In fact, we mostly don't get it right. But, I, you know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. It and does. I think as long as every day our kids see that we are trying, we care, we love you, and we're trying to help you to become all that God designed you to be, right. then I think that does sort yeah. of cover a lot of, a lot of the stuff that just feels like it's going to be catastrophic. It, it does. You just stay focused on that. What is it that... God wants this baby to do, right? The, the greatest blessing of all, the greatest creation of the planet, are babies. They, they, they come, they, they're the most important part of history, is babies. They, one of my favorite poems says something about, that they send a message from the God that God is not yet disappointed in humanity, but still expects goodwill. And babies are our chance to refresh and, and do things another way. You have a gift and a talent that is extraordinary. And I know it's 
heaven sent. And thank you for sharing it with them. You could have done many things in your life. And thank you for sharing it with me and my son and all the people that I've referred to you. And thank you for sharing your time with me today. Because I don't know, maybe somebody got a deep breath or a rope of hope. And that's really why I decided to do this today. Because I want you to know you're not alone. You've got a big God. And you've got people like Craig Nippenberg who just want to reach their, their divine calling. I hope you enjoyed that interview on parenting. I'd love to get your feedback. And I'd also love to hear what's on your heart and what matters to you. Because I'm here to help you reach your divine calling. I'm Steph. Just don't